Oh, Ryan Miller, I'm pissed. Dude, the White Sox suck, uh, and we have to do this. We've got to do the state of the division on the AL Central side. We commit to doing it every week, so I'm going to suck it up and do it. Fair? Yeah, yeah, that sounds fair. I know it's been been a tough go. Have they won a game since we recorded last? No, they've lost seven in a row. Uh, let me do there the intro go. real quick, and then we can keep shitting on the White Sox. How about that? <laughs> this is the State of the Division AL Central episode. I'm Jack McMullen. That's Ryan Miller, a.k.a. Intern Ryan, a.k.a. the host of the Boys of Spring podcast. Naturally, right? Um, yep. What we are going to do this go around, much like what our peers on the AL East side did, Colby Olsen and Jake Raziano, they did a great job working through the surprises and disappointments on each team in the AL East. We're going to do the same thing in the AL Central. We're also going to give you a surface look at each team as we get going, and we're going to go standings bottom up. But overall, as a division, this is super underwhelming. The division leader is 500. Everybody else is under 500 right now. What are you seeing from this division as a collective? Well, I know we've seen this in the past from the AL Central. It hasn't been competitive. You know, last year, the White Sox kind of ran away with it. Um, and I think there's some there's some pretty young teams in this division, and that means that down the line they could get better. But right now the pitching's pretty bad. Some of the lineups are underwhelming. So you know it's it's hard to stay competitive when when you have teams like this. But I I mean if, if you're not playing interdivision games, then you, you might lose a bunch. Right. This feels like the division of spurts, right? This feels yeah. like when you have that at bat that gets clipped on Twitter, Bobby Witt Jr. Did this torque did this, um, you know, Stephen Quan at the beginning of the year did this, but Tristan McKenzie looked sharp today, but none of these teams I really think are going to run together 10 to 15 games where it's wow. They could legitimately win the world series. And you could only say that about one team in the preseason. Now that one team is down to zero. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. We'll start with Kansas City, who's five and nine. They're two games back. They've got the worst run differential in the American League. They're minus 24 here. Overall with Kansas City, they can't hit and they can't pitch right now. That's yeah. a pretty cut and dry formula to not being that good. Yeah, you know, they they have some guys, you know, Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr. Hunter Dozier can hit sometimes, not a lot though. But yeah. their pitching staff, there's not too many guys. As you mentioned before we started recording, Brad Keller's been all right. Everybody else has been pretty bad. And with the rotation, that includes Chris Bubich, Carlos Hernandez, and Daniel Lynch. You're not going to win a lot of games. The bullpen isn't great. But, you know, Bobby Witt, maybe you'll start figuring it out here soon to make them at least watchable. Yeah, and if you're not keeping tabs of the Kansas City Royals in the early goings, first of all, I don't blame you. Um, they haven't been that fun to keep tabs on because they're not hitting right now, and the exciting bats are not very exciting right now. Um, if you haven't been watching, you would think, oh, uh, starting rotation struggles. That means that Coar and Singer are not doing too hot. Those two have combined for three appearances out of the bullpen. They have zero collective starts between Singer and Coar. For the most part, it's Bubich not being good whatsoever. It's Lynch really stinking. Zach Granke's been fine. Like you just mentioned, Brad Keller's been fine. Carlos Hernandez has been okay. But the pitching staff as a collective is one of two disappointments for me. The other one is the electrifying bats. Because none of the bats that you expected to be the stars on this team are, are hitting well whatsoever. Through 14 games, Adalberto Mondesi, who, you know, maybe we weren't expecting to be a star, but we were expecting to be better than not available. 
He's pretty much been unavailable. Through 14 games, he's hitting 125. Whit Merrifield, through 14 games, is hitting 136. And Bobby Witt Jr., through the first 14 games of his career, is hitting 185. These guys were supposed to be the exciting ones, and they haven't been exciting at all. Yeah, I mean, who would you say is the most exciting bat right now in their lineup? Nicky Lopez. I mean, he's getting on base at a 340 clip, but other than that, there's really not that much. And at, at what point do they start calling up these top prospects to maybe, you know, make more of an impact? I know Bobby Witt hasn't exactly worked out early in the year, but if you bring up MJ Melendez, guys like that to kind of give your lineup a little bit more of a spark, some new guys to get in there, see if they can perform, it might work out better for the Royals. Carlos Santana is four for 40. I don't really understand why Nick Prado is not the first baseman for the, for the Royals at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, our surprise has to be Andrew Benintendi. Benintendi is standing on his head right now. 14 games, he's hitting 388 with an OPS at 924. He's not going to do damage. He's got a triple and a bomb. Like, that's kind of the extent. I'm not even sure if he's going to get to 10 homers on the year. But Benintendi, listen, if you're hitting 390, you're going to be a surprise for a last place team. It's not sustainable what Benny's doing right now. It is nice to have Benny back. Because I'm sure you watched him in Boston and you saw the flashes and you said, this is that national player of the year in college. This is that top prospect in baseball that everybody was looking for. And he never fulfilled that prophecy, but he's getting a little bit closer to being a good major leaguer as opposed to the epitome of an average major leaguer. Yeah, I mean, Benintendi, you know, coming through the system, he had a lot of hype behind him because of his college days, because of his draft status, all that type of stuff. Then after the 2017 season, they thought that he would be the next star in Boston. And after that, it didn't really work out. You know, he hit he hit 290 in 2018. After that, not too good. He's been kind of the definition of a, you know, big league regular. But if yeah. he can return to his prior form, I think he could be very productive for this Royals lineup. And he's only 27, so he still has some left in the tank. And isn't this his final year of control? I think he hits free agency this year. I think he's due for yeah. a payday. Yeah, yep. 2023, he's a free agent. This is his last year of team control. So he could end up somewhere else or the Royals could extend him and kind of, you know, lock up left field. For his case, I hope he gets a bag somewhere else. Yeah. Why yeah, not, right? Uh, Detroit is second to last right now. They're six and nine. They're tied with the White Sox for third in the division. Detroit is a game and a half back to the division leader, Minnesota. Um, they are four and six over their last 10 sticking on surprises been really impressed by Spencer Torkelson I was just telling you I was expecting you know this is a guy that has never played in cold weather before he's from Northern California he went to Arizona State um, I saw him his first week of his pro career when he was in Fort Wayne and it was 45 degrees and rainy all six games that I saw him and he couldn't hit and then all of a sudden when the weather got warm he was torqued so I was expecting him to suck for the first month of the season. He only sucked for the first week of the season. And now he's got to be the front runner. Eh, no, Jeremy Pena. I forgot about Pena. But he has to be the front runner for runner-up in AL Rookie of the Year voting right now, right? Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. And I think he'll probably even get better than what he's doing right now. We, we know the hype surrounding him. We know the impact that he can make on the city. And I think... You know, when you hit that much throughout your life, it seems like you never struggle. But coming from the minor leagues, coming from college, the major leagues is an adjustment. And as as you mentioned, he hasn't hit too much in cold weather. That could go into it. But just seeing major league pitching, 
that's that's another thing. Might take you a couple of weeks. And now that we're seeing him start to start to catch on fire here, might have only taken 15 games. We should probably also mention that Miggy had his 3,000th hit on yeah. Saturday against Colorado. Yeah, Miggy, that's got to be the story, right? And Miggy through 14 games is hitting 320. So shout out, shout out Miguel Cabrera. He has not found the fountain of youth, I promise. This is an early season fluke, but 3,000 feels as well-deserved as anybody in recent memory. And the guys that we've seen get to 3,000. Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Ichiro Suzuki, Derek Jeter, Adrian Beltre. I think those are the last five. All five of those guys are in a class of their own. In Major yeah. League Baseball. Who else is in there? I, Trout, when he, you know, I don't even know if he'll ever get to 3,000 hits. But I, I'm not sure that anyone else is close. I thought I was, I, I think I was watching MLB Network the other day, and they mentioned there's not a lot of guys close. Yeah, um, I, and Aram mentioned that about C.J. Abrams. It was like, well, slow your roll for a <laughs> minute here. But, I mean, the two guys that, you know, look like they could get to 3,000 hits are C.J. Abrams and Wander Franco. Uh, and yeah. Abrams is off to a terrible start. Granted, we're only 10 games into his big league career, but um, who knows? Maybe the next guy that we see get to 3,000 is Wander Franco. Could be. Could be. And that's going to be a while down the road. We know that Abrams and Franco are both young, so they definitely have the timetable to do it. But we're not going to see 3,000 for a while. Now, for a while. And, and it's fun to see Miggy who can do both, right? Isn't it? Uh, Miggy, Pujols, and Hank Aaron that are the only three to have 3,000 hits and 500 bombs. So, listen, this guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I know some people are going to pull their, you know, not not unanimous bullshit like they did with Ken Griffey Jr., where there were three votes with, with him not on the ballot. Yeah. Um, but Miggy should be as close to unanimous as Griffey was. For sure, for sure. He's, he's one of the best hitters that we've ever seen, one of the best Detroit Tigers in well the the best in the modern era um detroit tigers and he's 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 just a legend i mean this is his 19th season he debuted in 2003 he's been around this entire century so far who am i missing here if we did a mount rushmore of detroit tigers it would be k-line it would be miggy it would be ty cobb yeah and who else do you need Mm -hmm. a fourth face I don't, I don't know if there's anybody else who really jumps out to me, honestly. How about, how about Ernie Harwell? That works, right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Why not, right? Get, get him a microphone. Um, I'd say the disappointment for the Detroit Tigers so far, uh, I, I joked with you beforehand, the team doctor. And obviously, you can't yeah. blame it on the team doctor, but the rotation's not healthy right now. Manning's down. Mize is down. Um, and as a collective, uh, Erod looks down. And uh, this isn't sunshine and rainbows for the Detroit Tigers this year on the mound. Yeah, and if their whole rotation was healthy, this could be a solid rotation. Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Spencer Turnbull, who got Tommy John surgery. A lot of people forgot about him. If he was in the rotation, I think he's a solid four. Yep. If Erod was going strong, it, it, it definitely could be a different story. But right now we got Michael Pineda, who... Has been doing all right. Who looks massive, by the way. Yeah, I think Jumbo Diaz part two. Yeah, did you? Is, is I mean, how at. many LBS did that guy put on? My God. I'm not sure, but he's still slinging it in there at like 92 miles an hour. So hasn't affected him too much, I guess. Dude, ridiculous. And like, it doesn't look like good weight either. Next time you have a chance to watch a Michael Pineda start, I highly recommend doing so because he got big. Uh, I don't recommend watching any Chicago White Sox baseball right now. They've lost seven in a row for my mental health. I think I might stop. 
Um, I've got what Dallas Keuchel and Daniel Lynch in White Sox Royals on Tuesday. I think I will uh, respectfully opt out of, of viewing that game. Um, listen, they've lost seven in a row. They have the second worst run differential in the American League. Yep. This team has so many hindrances. One of them is health, and you can't do much about health. Eloy Jimenez is out two months now after, you know, what, what was initially blasted to everybody's phone as a notification of hamstring soreness. I said, okay, that's not hamstring soreness. If Eloy's hamstring was sore, he was not going to get carted off. But Eloy now joins Lance Lynn. He joins Yoan Moncada. He joins Luis Robert. Lucas Giolito just got off the IL. There are so many guys that are hurt again. And the thought among White Sox fans was, this is the year because everybody's healthy again. And you forget that Garrett Crochet has Tommy John surgery now, and you're dealing with some arm issues left and right. So uh, the health is one thing. Tony LaRusse is the other thing. And I just talked about it on the Just Baseball show yesterday. Um, he is probably the worst strategic manager in Major League Baseball right now. Um, and I don't think it's close. He puts them in positions to fail so often. And it, they, last year they were too talented. Um, so last year they had enough talent to work around Tony's ineptitude. Now that's not the case. Yeah. Do you think he is fit to be a modern baseball no. manager? Because no. I, I really don't. You know, analytics can be used as a tool. Some people like analytics more than others. But I think if you're going to try to win in Major League Baseball nowadays, when you're sur absolutely surrounded by analytics, you need to understand it. You need to understand the different things that that could make your team better, the different strategies. And he's he's just not doing that right now. And I think there might be a change in order if the White Sox drastically underperform this year. I don't think they're going to do it um, because Jerry Reinsdorf loves Tony La Russa. I don't okay. think that happens. And Jerry Reinsdorf is a very loyal person. I think Tony's going to be the manager through this year. And I think Rick Hahn's going to do everything he possibly can to circumvent Tony's ineptitude. I think that Rick Hahn is going to take Adam Hazley off the roster and send him to Charlotte because Tony keeps on using Adam Hazley like he kept on using Nick Williams last year. There's no point in doing that. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, I, I know you're a big Moneyball fan. Uh, it's like in Moneyball when Art Howe keeps on playing Pena and Brad Pitt slash Billy Bean don't want him to keep on playing Carlos Pena. So what do yeah. you do? You get him off the roster. That's what Rick Hahn is going to have to do. But analytics aside, I don't think this takes much analytics. Bottom of the 10th inning, runners on second and third. We've got a 3-1 count against Byron Buxton, who is the hottest baseball player on the planet right now. Throw ball four, you idiots. Throw ball four. But no, center cut fastball from Liam Hendricks, and Buxton sends it 470 feet for a walk-off home run. No sabermetrics need to tell you that that was the wrong choice. Who was on deck? Luis Arise? Was that who? I think so. Yeah. Even I, then, I, I, don't I don't care who's that. on deck. I, Trout could be on deck. Yeah. The bases are loaded. You've got to force it any base. Yeah. Why don't you want to force out? Doesn't make any sense. It's common protocol. I don't, I don't really have a surprise for them. Michael Kopech. Kopech is one of the best starters in Major League Baseball right now through the first couple of turns. Um, and Aura mentioned it on the Just Baseball show yesterday. 
Kopech looks more like a pitcher than a thrower right now because there were outings where he had in relief and this is the reliever you know in in 2021 2022 <clears throat> sorry you get in there you sling 100 and then you drop these nasty sliders that's not what Kopech's doing right now Kopech is spotting up Kopech is being effective and it's really fun to watch yeah get a little bit of pitchability in there and now that can kind of be the final step to making him a starter full-time because when you're a bullpen arm, you're kind of just throwing your best stuff as hard as you can and and hoping that you get outs, hoping that you blow by 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. But now, now that Kopech is, is learning some pitchability, I think he could be a pretty effective starter down the road. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Cleveland is the second-best team in the division. Overall, they're throwing the ball really well, and they just got hit by the COVID bug this uh, week. So that yeah. took Cal Quantrill out of the rotation for a, for a turn. Um, that took Owen Miller off the field to cool him down. So we might never see first two weeks Owen Miller ever again. Uh, and that took a couple of guys out. They did get swept in New York. There was a confrontation from fans at Yankee Stadium. And we don't need to get too far into that. But I will stand by my thought that Red Sox and Yankee fans are the most unbearable fans on the face of the earth. Yeah, my thought before this whole situation was that Philadelphia was up there and I think they might be a tier down, but just you're trashing your own ballpark. Steven Kwan, who's a rookie gets hurt. Who knows what was said to him? Apparently for Miles Straw, there were some pretty bad things said to both of them. Kwan's also Asian. So I, you have you, to think you never that was factored in. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been. And just, it's, it's a horrible scene. Yankees end up pulling out the sweep, but you know, three game series who really lost this one because the, the Yankees had to stop their walk off celebration to go tell their fans to stop trashing their own stadium. So good point, Miller. Um, yes, yeah. I would say, you know, I like obviously the surprise in the early goings was the offense. Owen Miller, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez were, you know, having an out of body experience and J Ram is still doing so. Uh, the other two guys have cooled off Owen Miller because of covid I'd say the true surprise so far, or at least the thing that slows the heart rate of Guardians fans, is that Shane Bieber is back and Zach Plesak looks amazing first three turns through the rotation. Bieber, through his first two starts, 16 innings, 16 strikeouts, just three walks against him in four earned runs. That's a 2-2-5 ERA. Zach Plesak, through his first three starts, 17 and two-thirds. He's not striking anybody out, but he never strikes anybody out. He's only walked two guys and just three earned runs against him, two of them on solo home runs. Plesak is doing a great job, and I don't think his stuff looks as good as it has in recent years. He's doing a great job living belt down, and nobody's hurting him belt down right now, and it's been very impressive. Yeah, for sure. If this rotation is at full strength and everybody's playing to their potential, it's probably top five in the league. You have Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie even, McKenzie is a little bit inconsistent, but I think he can kind of work through that and uh, and make some quality starts out of it. It's healthy. You know, that's the one big thing. We've been talking about it this entire podcast. James Karinchek in the bullpen is the only notable bullpen arm that's hurt. But other than that, everybody's healthy. Eli Morgan has gotten roughed up a little bit out of the bullpen, but mostly everybody's been pretty good. Yeah. J-Ram is cooling off right now. Uh, J-Ram is down from hitting 500 to hitting 362 like a peasant. Uh, Owen Miller, still through 10 games, is hitting 484, but Quan is down to 341. I'd say there are some guys that are below the Mendoza line that are 
that are slightly disappointing. And Oscar Mercado, I was not expecting much, um, but through 15 games, he's hitting 196. I don't think Mercado's in the lineup every day uh, after, I'd say, the All-Star break. I think that's when you get some of these young outfielders up and they start displacing Mercado. But Franmil Reyes hitting a buck 82 through 13 games, and Reyes, the power numbers are not there right now. He's got just two bombs. Um, if Franmil Reyes can step up, and be that elite power bat that we know he can be, this transforms the identity of Cleveland. And with a depleted White Sox team, the Guardians could mess around and contend in this division if the bats are firing. Yeah, definitely. I saw that the Yankees were using a four-man outfield on Fran Moraes. So he just got hit it over him, really. Yeah. Um, he, he's got to get more homers. We know what he can do. And now that Owen Miller's back, and I know he might have cooled off now, but they're definitely going to keep playing him. He's going to be the first baseman. So that kind of moves Oscar Mercado out of the lineup if you put Josh Naylor in right. Yeah. It's kind of who you want to use there. Coming into this year, we were kind of worried about this outfield because we didn't know what Stephen Kwan was going to be. Miles Straw, I think, is a solid baseball player. He's quick. He's a good defender. Maybe if they went out and signed somebody like Jock Peterson to play right field or somebody to that caliber, it could be a different story. If Josh Naylor continues to hit... You know, if they don't play Oscar Mercado as much, really, because he he can't really hit, um, this team could could mess around a little bit. Um, let's finish with Minnesota. They're leading the division at eight and eight. They had a rough go of it at first. Byron Buxton through ten games is hitting three fifty one. He's got a nine forty six slugging. He's got thirteen hits, ten of them extra base hits. Um, has six homers and eleven driven in. That's an OPS just shy of fourteen hundred. Buxton's the hottest baseball player on planet earth right now. And I don't think there's an argument um, to hear that, that will disprove that. So Buxton has been electric. Carlos Correa still got to figure it out, hitting under 214 games, but the offense, if Buxton stays healthy, dude, he's a runaway MVP. MVP. He's a runaway MVP. Yeah, for sure. Buxton, we know what he can do. And the story has always been health and, with Carlos Correa not performing to the level that that people think he can, he, you know, Buxton's kind of pulling most of the slack here. But if both of them are running on full cylinders, th- this could be a very scary offense for sure. 100%. Uh, and we were just talking before we started recording, we were checking Carlos Correa's minor league time um, to see if he's ever played in cold weather. And the answer is pretty much no. He spent... Yeah a year in Davenport, Iowa with the Quad Cities River Bandits. And like, it gets kind of cold there, but not Minnesota cold. Um, aside from that, he's from Puerto Rico and got drafted by the Astros. So he, he has yep. never seen cold weather like he is now. Um, and I think when May rolls around and you've got pretty Minneapolis days, Carlos Correa is going to be really solid. But just wrapping up quickly, I think the biggest surprise for Minnesota, and we don't have many disappointments because they're the division leader, the surprise for Minnesota is the pitching staff is a collective because we were talking about this team in the preseason, like this is going to be the worst pitching staff in major league baseball and their top half of the league in staff ERA. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Dylan Bundy, even if, if some of these guys can step up and I like Joe Ryan a lot, I think he could be maybe not an ACE, but a very good number two, possibly if, if they, are contending at the at the trade deadline and they go out and get maybe one more big arm this team could be pretty good 
And now that we look at last season when they traded Jose Barrios, yeah. he could work very well in this rotation. Oh yeah. And it's 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 a shame that they uh they didn't really know what direction they were going in at that time, but they could get somebody similar and really lock down this rotation. They could absolutely do so. Um quick schedule this week. Kansas City is at the White Sox, Daniel Lynch, Dallas Keuchel. Again, I'm opting out of that game tonight. Um we've got Detroit at Minnesota, Erod and Chris Paddock. Might opt out of that one to watch the late game. 938 first pitch. Uh, Tristan McKenzie and Patrick Sandoval, the Guardians, are in Anaheim to take on the LA Angels. That's going to be a whale of a weekday series. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for that. I think we've already gone like 24 minutes. So that's on me, man. Uh, This was the uh, State of the Division AL Central. You will hear from Kendall McKee and T. Wright tomorrow with the American League West. Ryan, see you, man. See you.